Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in this week. I am so thrilled to be bringing you another new episode. This week's conversation features the absolute sweetest soul and a really inspiring businesswoman, someone who pivoted their career into a really exciting direction, and that is Laura Pankanine. Laura is the owner and founder of the design and construction firm, The Pankanine Group, or TPG. She's spent 15 years in the business, perfecting her career and building amazing client relationships in Austin, Texas, where she's based. Laura started her firm during the 2008 recession, and she navigated it throughout COVID as well, which we'll chat about in this episode, and we'll also dive into how she runs her business in general. Laura also recently opened up a homeware store in Austin called Blue by TPG. So needless to say, there was a lot we were able to chat about in this conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get into it. You know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on. I am so thrilled to chat with you about the Pankanine Group and all your work. And I, I think, you know, I was just saying to you a second ago, the the duration of your career and the different sort of ups and downs you've faced, I think, um, is really like a testament to truly like how well you can handle things, right? And sure. I, I'm just so excited to have you on to chat about it. So thanks for absolutely, yeah. Time. Thank you for having me, Catherine. It's so nice to be here chatting with you about the design industry, all all the different sides of the design industry for sure. Well, I'm so thrilled to get into it. So. If I guess if you want to give people some background into you, you know, I, I talked in your in the intro for the episode about your your work and your history with sort of interior design and you know your construction firm, um, the Pink and Anne Group, and and starting that. Um, but you you're based in Austin, Texas. Yes. You started your your group. Um, TPG. You started that in 2008, which if anybody's like looking at their, (laughs) like looking through their calendar of memories, that was quite a crazy year. I mean, 2008 was year of the recession. So if you want to kind of just like walk us through your work prior to, you know, launching the company and then um, sort of, I guess, how the first year went about. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I was a public relations major in college, and I worked in PR for a few years in my 20s. Um, And then basically, my hobby was always doing my own design projects. I started out in my mid-20s with my husband doing flips of some small renovation um, jobs that we did, houses that we lived in in Austin. And then we, I kind of graduated to doing, again, in my spare time, um, new construction Um, And so we had some nice new construction, custom construction um, that we did a few projects on. And that took us to 2008. 
And that was a heyday, you know, nationwide and in Austin for sure, um, leading up to that point. Um, and we built the last house. And um, then I just decided, you know, I've started getting more requests for work before the recession really started to hit Austin itself. Um, um, for just to help with renovation plans and things like that for um, friends and friends of friends. And basically, yeah, it, it kind of all converged in this one area where, you know, Austin was, um, you know, the whole nation was struck by the recession, obviously, for years and years. Austin probably a little bit less so than a lot of areas of the country um, in the sense that people were not able to sell their homes, you know, in general, you know, the housing bust was a real thing everywhere. But what was happening is, you know, I got more requests for what's now become really the lifeblood of my clientele from people who are like, okay, I guess I'm stuck here. What can you help me do to add some value equity, equity to my home? What can you do to help me? Like, if I'm going to be here, then I'm going to need a fourth bedroom. Or if I'm going to be here, you know, we're going to need a larger kitchen for my growing family, that kind of thing. So, um, I kind of jumped into those kind of projects to start um, smaller, you know, renovation, like within the studs, kitchen and bathroom remodels, um, repurposing space within, you know, these homes and then doing like a few living areas in the home um, from a furnishing standpoint. Um, but that business and that referral business that was, you know, that kind of grew out of that recession time period. Um, that's basically the foundation of where we are today. It's it's those clients and, you know, their friends and those people's friends and just that referral base building up is is basically where I'm at now where, you know, we've grown to a point where we're doing, you know, whole house construction, whole house, you know, furnishings projects. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. And that's how we grew. Well, I, I learned, you know, sort of like looking into your work, one of the things that really stood out to me was sort of your um, respect, obviously, for your customer base and how uh, profound that was sort of in your start as a company and to where you are today, as you just said. Um, and I'm a big relationships gal myself. Like I, I really see a lot of value in the people you're working with and keeping in good communication with people because you never know when, you know, stuff could pop up in the future. Um, and I think word of mouth, it's like the most traditional form of advertising there is, but it's so beneficial. So, um, you know, you said like things really started popping up in prior to, you know, launching the company, you said you and your husband were flipping houses and you kind of tackled a lot of these projects kind of on the side. Um, so would you say it was more of a gradual uh, sort of development of taking on these little projects here and there? And then soon enough, it just became, oh, wow, like <laughs> this could be something yes. I'm really devoting full all of my energy into. Absolutely. And I guess also the timing of it was that my youngest child was starting elementary school. And so it was, it kind of, you know, that timing came together really well for me to where I was like, you know what, I think I don't want to go to back to public relations work. I, you know, I'm definitely one that likes to be busy. I like to work. Um, and so, um, you know, honestly, it's, you know, they tell you don't turn your hobby into your career um, sometimes. And I definitely just, you know, poo-pooed that and went head, you know, first into definitely um, growing that business. And, and the big shift also was, you know, up until 2008, those were my projects, my flips for us, you know, um, and it didn't have a client involved necessarily. There was definitely not a, a client, you know, guiding decisions on the design side or anything like that. 
um, that those were, you know, just all projects that, you know, I designed for, you know, the, what I wanted to create. Um, and in 2008, that stopped. So I wasn't doing my projects anymore. You know, the, that was one huge thing, like that with the housing bus that, you know, those mm-hmm. loans were harder to come by. So when I decided I did want to continue with, you know, the design build business, it, you know, it shifted my work completely to the client side. Um, and so for me, you know, at first I, you know, I debated a lot, you know, is this where I want to go with this? Do I just want to take some time off and just kind of see where the economy goes before I go client side? Um, because, you know, I mean, there's there now I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way, but back then I was used to just doing my own thing. I had my own calendar. I had my own schedule. And then to now shift to, you know, you have other builders involved, other architects besides even just the, the client um, goal for the project. So, um, but yeah, when, when that happened and we kind of just dabbled in, you know, I it basically became just my business. My husband wasn't really helping me at all. He's in the tech industry, but, um, but yeah, it was definitely exciting. And, you know, um, I wanted to just see where it could go, how it could grow. Mm-hmm. And obviously it did grow because you're yes. still doing it today. And, you know, hearing you talk about sort of the challenges you faced in 2008, um, like I said, we're in a really difficult time right now. So how has the industry been? Because we, the past few years, I'd say we had some really high highs, right? The economy was in a really good place during the pandemic. Everybody was moving and grooving through different parts of the country. Yes. So um, I'm sure with the investment in properties, people were investing in, you know, construction and Absolutely. interior design and all those things um, that you are, you know, crucially working on. Yeah. So how how did that kind of go from going to like a really high peak, I presume, to then maybe encountering some troubled waters? Well, you know, I think I could speak for all designers everywhere. When 2020 happened, um, early pandemic, that March through May timeframe, none of us knew what was going to happen. There was, everybody was in a kind of crisis mode at that point. You know, what's going to happen to my staff? What's going to happen to the business in general? We had some projects in the queue, like I'm sure a lot of people did, that were on hold, you know, waiting for, you know, some of the, um, those rulings to be lifted and so that we could enter homes again and things like that. Um, and to get the clients comfortable with that, cause that was a shift, but honestly, yeah. And again, I think every designer can relate to the fact that all of our businesses skyrocketed my business personally, you know, it grew by three X easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing, you know, um, it's definitely the frenzy of it has slowed down. I don't think that there's any denying that, but what I think has happened is, um, I'll say personal to to my business is that it's created um, it created so much work that there was more of a marketing platform for all kinds of clients to to get to know us. So the luxury I, we were always in luxury high end you know interiors. I think you know that was kind of our niche to begin with. But we've basically gone from you know I don't know. 10 to 20 projects a year where we're just going, going, going um, to now we've got, you know, five to eight projects a year, but these projects are quadruple the size that they were several years ago. So the growth is still there. It's just a shift in mindset. I think for me, um, especially that it's, you know, longer time on a project um, and, you know, um, 
you know, just kind of navigating that it doesn't mean your business could still be doing amazingly well. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that's tied to your phone ringing off the hook constantly um, with new work. So I think that it, from that perspective, it's really an exciting time for me. And it allowed me, honestly, the growth that we experienced um, in the past three years, it allowed me to, to start this new venture with the shop. I mean, um, basically, we were looking for new office space and um, in our area where we work and near where I live. And it was, it kind of came together, this retail space was presented to me. And I hadn't ever thought of that as a good, you know, as an option for me. But I'd always wanted to open a shop, you know, that's every dream, you know, but, um, but it was just the kind of the kismet of all those things coming together. Yay, I need office space. Yay, this is a great time, I think, to open a, a shop like this. Um, maybe it'll, you know, bring a different kind of client to the firm. Um, and the two businesses can support each other really well. And so um, we found that a lot of that has been the case. And so that's been nice. Awesome. Yeah, let's let's dive into the shop as well because um I, I think that's such an interesting part of your story that I really loved hearing. Mm-hmm. Um so Blue, the shop, yes. uh, it's a part of uh TPG. And like you just said, you had sort of an interesting shift where uh part of it was that there weren't really retail stores catering to home and home goods in your city. So that was kind of the the idea behind, well, like there, there's a market for this definitely, but why isn't there one here? Why isn't there sort of an outlet where people yes. can go and sort of, you know, if they well, have an interest in those things? Absolutely. And Austin, you know, I mean, has a great reputation um, and people probably think of it as being a larger city than it is. It's definitely grown a lot in the past, you know, especially 10 to 15 years um, and even more so recently. Um, But yeah, the retail, um, you know, everybody knows, (laughs) everybody in my world knows that it's hard to shop for, for design in Austin, for sure. Um, and, and then you, you know, where there are design shops, um, they're not necessarily the traditional look that we lean, lean into. So we do a lot of clean line traditional, um, in our work, you know, depending on the architecture and the client, we may go a little bit more modern with some or a little bit more traditional with others, but it's generally my vibe. And so when we were looking for, um, you know, what, you know, are we going to do a shop? What's this going to look like? I was like, I'm going full steam ahead on something that this is basically my calling card, my calling card, my passion project, um, kind of my, um, you know, my passion for interiors, I want it to be on display. And, and, but I also, you know, just thinking of it from a marketing perspective and a former PR person's perspective, I knew that, you know, and also just running a design firm in general, we're threading a needle with our clients of like the, the 1% of the 1% can do this at the studio side. Right. So I want to give the, the retail shopper a taste of that um, and see, you know, how we can curate a store to where, again, the two businesses can support each other. Maybe I can use some inventory for client projects and things like that. But at the same time, you know, can the store bring in a prospective studio client? Um, down the road. And what we found is that, you know, the store does well. The store has a cute little following. We're growing. I mean, we're only a year old. We just had our one year anniversary. Um, And, you know, I use it as a little, you know, we like to experiment with different concepts and things like that. But um, in general, um, 
you know, I'm finding that it's doing its job with supporting the studio side. We have people, um, we're in a busy little shopping center and people will throw the door open and go, oh my gosh, I love everything in here. Can I, do y'all design, do you design work? You know, that kind of thing. And so um, we do get quite a bit of that, which is nice. Um, And then, but what I'm hoping to do as well is, um, you know, just, get more, dive a little deeper into, you know, what will get us a, a following just as a shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're active on social media and all that, but I think, you know, experimenting with the pop-up concept. And in fact, we had Liz Legit do an art pop-up, a gallery pop-up um, last month. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, just kind of uh, created a different, like a fun vibe for the store that we really enjoyed. Um, but we also, you know, we offer custom products like pillows and um, small pottery, things like that, um, that, you know, things from Round Top. So vintage and antique finds, we we do some of that as well. Um, so it's basically, you know, a lot of the way that we'll finish out a client space. That's the kind of thing that you find at the store. And then we also have a kitchen vignette in the store. So it just reminds our shopper that that's, you know, that's kind of the foundation of our business is, is we love being in the design build space. And mm-hmm. so we want to show that off as well. I love that. And I love that you worked with Liz because we had Liz on last season. It was, and uh, I got to chat with her and she's just like a doll and doing amazing. such amazing, you know, things on her end as well. So I, I love Absolutely. that you kind of followed that kind of gut instinct of something you wanted to do and something you felt like was right for your community. And sort of taking that leap. And like you said, like not really know- knowing, is this going to stick the landing or or won't it, but kind of just going for it anyways. And seeing that sort of community response of people coming in quite literally opening up doors um, because you never know, like you talked about like customers, you never know like where one interaction can lead you. Um, yes. It could be like, you could be forming truly like a really dedicated client base there. So yes. um, I guess, sort of just hearing the different things you're doing with the store. Like, how do you see this sort of evolving and how also actually, I really want to know, because one other thing that really piqued my interest is you're running this store and you're doing your design business. I'm sure they both complement each other, of course, but how has it been kind of juggling the two? Has it been challenging or do you feel that the sort of the way they complement each other, um, it's more helpful? Um. I would say it's challenging and helpful. Um, the challenging piece is, you know, like I touched on the the wearing of many hats. I, you know, there was some naivete for myself going in. I thought, you know what, if in the early days of planning the store, you know, we probably took, you know, two to six months planning the store. And in those days, I thought, okay, if I just spend six months doing this and I just, you know, burn the midnight oil, just kind of like really getting deep into all the details and I create a skeleton so somebody else can just jump in and follow the skeleton, you know, on the concept side, um, that's all I'll need to do. And then I can just breeze in and out, you know, whatever. And that's not been the case. I've definitely had to spend more time, you know, just cutting it, getting into the detail of the inventory, you know, what does well, what doesn't do well, you know, what some strategy behind, you know, what we're going to order or what we're going to source a different way. Um, and so there's some of that. Um, but like you mentioned, the the businesses do complement each other really well. And so I think for that reason alone, I'm, you know, that, that makes it all worth it. 
Um, that and the fact that I just love having a shop. I'm kind of just a shop lady at heart. I love being there. I love greeting the customers. I love chatting with them about what's going on in their homes. They love to come in and tell us stories about, and I think the store lends to that, you know, they'll pick up some little something and, you know, some little vintage something or some piece of art. And they'll just say, this reminds me of, you know, a piece of art I have in my home. Let me tell you about my breakfast room, or let me tell you about my living room or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's fun. I we find it a lot of fun um, at the shop. And now that I have a, a showroom manager that's dedicated mm-hmm. to running um, the store, running the e-commerce, um, I feel a weight lifted for sure, just in my day-to-day schedule, because it is a lot. I mean, I've been on field visits for client work, you know, for three years straight, you know, it's, and it's going to continue at least in, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it's um, to, you know, to be on a construction site, you know, leading a tile plan or, you know, do, doing electrical work, a plan, whatever, and and then having to come back to the store and should we put this here or put it here? You know, it's like there are days where that's so much fun. And then there are days where it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so overwhelming. Okay. But, um, but I, I find that, you know, it's, Every day, I'm thankful that I did take the leap. I'm kind of a leaper in general, even jumping into the design business in general. It's like I, I've felt um, that's one thing is like I don't I don't fear like that kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't fear failure. And there is a lot of failure in a lot of what we do. And I think that when I when I really, you know, put some thought into it, I know that that's kind of the crux of what's made me successful in that way is that, um, you know, when you're not afraid to try, you know, it's like, let's see, let's see what happens, you know? And then, you know, the other piece, you know, that we've touched on a little bit is just the, the relationship part of the business and the partnerships and Mm -hmm. the, you know, um, leaning into, um, the total respect for your client, the total respect for what we are. I mean, every client, expects that we're going to give them a beautifully designed project. That's what interior designers do. Um, every, you know, that's part of the deal. That's the given, right? So what we try to lean into at the firm is like giving them that same stellar level um, of quality, but on the customer service side. So, mm-hmm. you know, that the quality and the service piece, I would say is, you know, the most important part of what we do every day and just figuring out different ways that we can deliver that to the client um, Mm -hmm. at a higher level. Yeah. Well, no wonder your customers love you because you have such a great mindset. I think having sort of that mindset of, you know, failure just is what it is. Like rejection just is what it is. Um, I like to think I have sort of the same approach with things, right? It's just like, I came to the conclusion early on in my life that like rejection, like working in like the media industry and like it's, there's so much come and go with that stuff is so fleeting that there's always going to be rejection. There's always going to be failure. There's always going to be times where you really mess something up or you don't get the job that you wanted or the deal that you wanted or whatever it may be. Um, So that stuff is always going to be there no matter what. It's just, that's how it is. And I feel like once you get rid of the fear of that, then you're just more prone to, yeah, jump and try and, you know, like grasp that goal that you really want to do yes. um, and, and and try and take the leap. Like you said, I think leaping, leaping for things is great, no matter how high or how <laughs> far away they are. I think it's such a great uh, mindset to kind of just always be, be striving for something, no matter 
sort of whether you get it or not. Um, 100% agree. Yes. It's really wise. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, and, you know, of course, there's always calculated risk, right? Right. So I didn't, I'm in a thousand square foot space. I'm not in a 20,000 square foot space, you know? So it's, you know, when I experiment, I try to be a little bit smart about it. You know, I'm I'm not going to hire a staff of 30, even though it looks like, you know, oh, the books are great. You know, we're in this wild, you know, pandemic heyday. Well, you know, it's like everybody, you know, I knew that it would come to a slowdown. I mean, it's, but if you look at, you know, for our businesses, you know, 2023 numbers versus 2019 numbers, they're still higher than they were then, you know, so there's still a lot of growth there for, for us. It's, you know, we're, we're doing great. So we're happy with that. So it's like, but taking, you know, the calculated risk of what, where, okay, where can I fail and still keep it in a, you know, have it corralled, put a boundary around that failure, you know, and, and kind of pivot where you need to like reassess Mm -hmm. the situation where you need to. Um, But, you know, I don't know that I think that's part of the entrepreneurial mindset for me as well um, is that, you know, you kind of have to have a little bit of that in order Mm -hmm. to, to keep going, marching forward and grow your business. You do. And I think as well, like just discipline and um, being able to kind of to juggle, right? Um, You brought up sort of how different your days are while running, you know, a design construction firm and then also having a home goods retail store while they're similar in... uh, similar in subject matter, right? Similar with, I'm sure a lot of things are the same. Um, They're also completely different. They require completely different responsibilities and uh, tasks to do's, all that. Your days are not looking the same, no matter how uh, close the subject matter is, right? No. So I think it's, you know, being able to have your ducks in a row too, which uh, I'm sure you found just over the past like year running sort of both businesses, you've sort of found that to be the case. Um, Because when you're wearing a lot of different hats, that's sort of what you got to do, right? That's Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I have, you know, I have meetings with staff every day, you know, I have to, you know, managing staff, um, kind of getting them supported where they need to be supported, helping them, you know, manage through the details and all the different tasks that come with running an interior design business. I mean, all of that is, you know, it, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of line items on everyone's to-do list every day and then shifting gears and meeting with clients, shifting gears again, you know, um, chatting up a shopper at the store, you know, um, but, you know, there's different phases of life and, you know, we're all, you know, different phases and stages of life. And I'm at a stage now, my kids are in college and, you know, I have more time for all that. And so um, I was able to kind of choose like, what, where do I want, where do I want to go next? What passion do I want to, to follow, you know? And so, you know, this, all of this is the way it looks right now. It would have been very difficult when my kids were 10 and eight and in the gymnastics, you know, uh, space and in on a baseball field all summer long, you know, so it's, I kind of give myself, you know, some grace with all of that. And it's like, but now's the time. I mean, this is a a fun time for me, a fun time for the company. And now's the time to kind of dial into, to what we're doing and into the detail of, of, you know, creating this, um, you know, this different kind of design firm and, um, seeing where that'll go. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I just have to say, because I was genuinely, you just brought up your kids being in college, and I was genuinely dumbfounded, Laura, <laughs> when I found out that you had kids that were the, as old to being old enough to be in college. Because I genuinely thought, like at most, you were like 30, 32, maybe. Oh like, my gosh! Stop. I, I can't wait. For, I cannot wait for the visual assets for this episode to come out so people can just be like as shocked as I was because I was genuinely shocked. You look amazing. Like, That's I don't so know. Sweet. But I also think that, you know, to do all of that, like raising your kids, having these companies, it's just it, it was so cool to see that this is like you've been doing this for, you know, almost two decades now. And it's just like incredible to see sort of like the evolution of your career. And I think I personally, I wish I lived down in Texas, but I know a lot of listeners for the podcast do. So um, I I encourage, you know, everybody to really kind of go visit your store if they're in Austin, but you brought up, yeah, you brought up e-commerce though. So is that something that you're really trying? I was on your website and I saw that you are starting to, you know, sell things online. Is that something you want to hopefully like keep growing? Um, Where do you see that kind of headed? Absolutely. Um, yeah, bluebytpg.com is our website and it's the French spelling of blue, B-L-E-U. Um, and yeah, I mean, we held off on launching e-commerce um, until late fall. Um, for the main reason of the inventory until late fall, I mean, the supply chain stuff was, it was, that was real. Um, everybody who, who's ever tried to buy anything the past three years know that, knows that that's the case. Um, but it was, I didn't want to have a bunch of product up on an e-commerce website and have it say sold out, sold out, sold out anytime somebody tried to buy something. And there was no guarantee at the time that that inventory was coming back in. But now that all of that has lifted for the most part, we're definitely doing a big push in that direction direction. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've, we've had, I'm always excited when I see, you know, someone in Connecticut or someone in Ohio is buying from the website. I think that's so fun. I wish I could call everybody and say, Hey, how'd you hear about us? How, what, what search did you put in? Like, what was it? But, um, so it's kind of a fun thing for us. Um, we're planning to, to do a couple of new endeavors over the past six months, over the next six months to kind of, um, really try to, you know, push the e-commerce even further. Um, right now it's, you know, it's, we have all of our inventory on e-commerce, which is great, but we're, we're still learning, you know, how to, to keep that stronger. It's, that is one thing that I was surprised by, um, is that the Shopify, um, you know, method of doing things. I mean, they're a leader in that space and, you know, for a good reason, I think it's a really, um, user-friendly platform for us, um, you know, as new retailers, um, to, to figure out and, um, it works, you know, it works great. And so it made it to where, you know, we didn't have, again, this kind of shop would have cost, you know, the infrastructure for establishing something like this on any scale would have been significant, you know, a decade ago, um, versus, you know, um, kind of the way it is now. So, which is more attainable, um, for, for a small business like us. So, um, so yeah, but that's that'll you know continue to grow hopefully and um, yeah stay tuned. It's exciting and yeah I think 
like truly, you know, style is never going out of style, right? Right. People are always going to be investing in properties and, you know, even people who are settled like into properties, like you're always trying to invest in your, in your home and the space that you live in, whether it be in how you design it, whether and how it's structured um, and artistic choices, all of that. I think uh, none of that is ever going to go away. The market will change, trends will change, and that you kind of have to kind of roll with the tide. Um, And, but I, but I think it's, it's really interesting to see how, you know, how in 2008 you started this business and now you're, you know, you launched this retail store and you're, you know, stepping into e-commerce and it's just, it's really cool how just, I mean, I'm not even somebody who's involved in this industry, but to kind of look at that, right. From kind of like a timeline perspective and see the different changes that, you know, and how it's impacted your life. Absolutely. And no, I'm, I'm, often surprised by, you know, how far we've come. Um, and it is really exciting. And honestly, it's, it's more about, I feel like, um, I put myself in our consumer's shoes all the time, constantly from on the studio side, like, what would I be thinking right now if I were this client about X, Y, Z, you know, um, you know, to, to the shopper, like if I were shopping in the store, what would I want to see? And that's kind of been my guiding principle is to, you know, some amalgamation of what my gut tells me and also, you know, what, what the shopper or the client is telling me, um, through their behaviors, their shopping behaviors, their, you know, what they're willing to sign up for and what they're not willing to sign up for. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of take in a a lot of that detail and, um, and, you know, turn it into something that, um, you know, kind of goes in line with the goals that I have for the business. And so, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm already, we're a year in our space and it is a small space, like I mentioned. And, you know, I'm already like looking around like, okay, maybe we can expand. Maybe we can do this and that. We'll see where that goes. But, but like you said, style is never going away. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the people that, that we serve either on client or shop side, you know, it's like they want us as the experts to, to, to feed it to them, you know, to, to bring it to them, um, in a way that may, they may not have thought of, or in a way that, you know, they, um, they have been thinking and they've been wondering why doesn't this exist, you know? And so, um, honestly, yeah, like, you know, the, the putting the store together the way we have in the way we have, like I mentioned earlier, a little bit about, you know, some of the items that we carry, you can't find them anywhere on a retail side, um, anywhere in Austin, you know? And so I feel like, you know, we need to continue to, to educate our shopper in Austin that, hey, you know, do you want a, pal- a pillow custom made by this small maker? You know, you don't have to hire a designer. You can just come, you know, shop for it at our store. So um, that kind of thing is, I felt something that um, the shopper, the design savvy shopper um, has wanted for a long time. And so hopefully, yeah, they'll continue to hear about us and, um, you know, we, we can give them what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and, you know, you brought up just Austin then, and I think it's, it's really interesting because I just um, spoke with, uh, we just had on for an episode, uh, his name's Sean, he's a real estate investor and he lives in Texas currently, originally from uh, the San Francisco region and then moved to Texas and started investing in property there. And he does sort of how to's on how to invest in real estate and, you know, how to get started with that. 
And I think it was really interesting hearing him talk about sort of the market in Texas. And I guess from your perspective as, you know, designer, also working in construction, how do you see sort of, I guess, or what advice do you have for anybody sort of stepping into the industry down there? It it seems, you know, you said from sort of the start when you started in 2008, it was an interesting time and sort of how the market's grown um, and gotten more and more, um, gained more attraction just over the past few years. Like what advice do you have for anybody within the design space kind of getting involved down in Texas? I think, you know, there's always a lot of room in the space, I think in general, and especially, um, you know, if you lead with service and, and good design in general, I think that there's, there's room for, for anyone willing to, to, you know, walk into the space. As far as Texas, I think is really interesting. And I don't know how different it is from a lot of areas in the country, but I feel like it's a little bit different in the sense that there, you know, there's a lot of money on the luxury side. I feel like, you know, there's a good client base there um, in general. Um, And there are a lot of people who see so much value in their home and staying in their home and reimagining their home. And um, so I, I feel like that demand is there for sure. Um, you know, similar to 2008, where people were staying in their homes because they couldn't sell their home. Now they, they could, you know, um, but um, even in what's happening right now is that, you know, Austin real estate is so expensive that I have many clients who are two people, empty nesters, still living in their five or 6,000 plus square foot home and reimagining that space um, because they don't see the value in selling their house and moving to a smaller space that costs more than the, you know, Mm -hmm. the established equity that they have in their home. And so you've got two people trying to cozy up, you know, uh, 6,000 square foot home now that, you know, their four kids are gone or whatever, you know? And so it's, it's that, you know, those are fun challenges that I enjoy, but I feel like that you, that's what we've got right now. It's like kind of the flip side of the 2008, but for similar, you know, complimentary, whatever reasons, um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you've got, um, maybe not a ton of new construction, um, turnover, but we've got a demand for renovation, and, um, you know, just reimagining of spaces. So, um, but yeah, I think in general, Texas is still doing pretty well. Um, so that's good. Austin continues to do well. Um, you know, the sticker shock of the real estate, as well as the sticker shock of design and renovation is real. And it's, it's real for designers too. You know, I mean, I think a designer, I can't tell you how many client meetings I've led with, you know, this is super expensive. Let me lay it out for you. I don't even let that go months into my working with the client. That's where we start. Um, and we, because of all the projects we've had through the pandemic, we've got good data that we can present to people right away of where those costs are. And so that they can, you know, get prepared or decide if they need to pivot, um, anywhere. But, um, but yeah, those are the those are the other challenges that we've had. It's like even in the good times, it's like, you know, we we see those kinds of of challenges pop up here and there with our industry that that make it, you know, just a space where it's, you know, you just got to get in there and learn it, you know. Right. Yeah, and it'll be interesting I guess to see like where and how the market continues to evolve. I think you brought up a really great point there. And I'm wondering when that'll happen because I'm from uh, originally from a small rural town in Pennsylvania. And the one thing that 
I I've noticed is that my community, the community I grew up in, it's lacking a lot of, you know, single story homes for people who are retired, um, you know, not quite the age where they have to go right into like a nursing home or assisted right. living or anything like that. But it's like, right. what do you do when you're in a property and you need to downsize and there's nowhere to downsize? Right. And um, so to hear you say kind of like renovating properties to make them more you know, fitting your needs for that period of your life. But I, I'm wondering like, when's that going to catch on? It's got to, you know, the population wise, it's got to hit a point where as people, you know, continue to age and like, we need more spaces. Um, I, I'm really interested to see at least, and that's how it is sort of in, you know, the area I grew up, it's just like lacking a lot of those types of properties. Um, yeah. And I think whenever that light bulb does go off and for developers, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see how that sort of takes off. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, just interesting to see like how, you know, Time, There's still time so many areas of of the house the housing industry that I think I don't know I think of stuff all the time I have ideas all the time even like you know the Airbnb I, I'm always wondering like why you know why hasn't a developer or several developers gotten together and created these little communities of an Airbnb type setup you know you mm -hmm. see it on a really small scale but you know you don't see it much bigger than that or the same thing like the Sun City concept is that retirement. Um, home neighborhood type concept and it was really big got a lot of publicity you know two decades ago but you don't hear about that much anymore and i feel like there's going to continue to be to your point more demand for that kind of housing as well yeah and and same thing with like for young people too like i've spent a good amount of time um i just got my master's abroad, but I spent a lot of time traveling abroad. And I've noticed even for students, like for young people having these student accommodations, which I, I assume for tax purposes, haven't caught on in the US, but it's really interesting to see how abroad, so they're essentially buildings that aren't affiliated with specific universities, but they're specifically for students. So you don't have to pay your utilities, you pay everything at an upfront cost. Um, and there, however, like they create them so that they're essentially like little mini studio apartments for you and sort of like everything you would need. And it's so interesting to see like they're so popular over here. I remember when I studied abroad, I stayed in one and I just thought like, what a fascinating idea. And Absolutely. it's just something that, again, I'm sure it has to do with tax reasons that they <laughs> haven't got on in the States. I'm sure it'd be like, uh, like a field day, but, yes. um, yeah, it's, just, it's interesting even too, to see how, um, you know, like how the market is and how real estate is set up for, for people in different areas as well. Um, but yeah, I think every, you pointed out like every state is kind of different in the U S and, uh, I think Austin sort of the boom it's had just within the pandemic, Texas as a whole, um, and a lot of these, uh, Southern states have had such a boom with, uh, real estate. And with that then <laughs> comes design and, and, you know, exactly. interior construction and, and all of that. So uh, I, it's going to be so interesting, I think, to like follow along with what all you continue to do. Where can people do that? Um, I know you have websites and social yes. media. So how can people sort of keep following along with what you're doing on your end? Oh, thank you. Um, I think Instagram is probably the best way. Um, studio side is at the Pankanine group, P-A-N-K-O-N-I-E-N -E group. Um, and then um, for the store, it's at Blue by TPG. Um, and so yeah, we're excited. Give us a follow. We'd love to chat with you about 
any design questions or anything you'd like to hear about regarding um, the projects we're working on. Beautiful. Yeah, I will be linking everything up in this uh, episode's notes, the show notes, so that people can follow along. Um, But, you know, I always love to ask at the end of an episode, Laura, with this being handling it, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned throughout your career that's really helped you handle it in the best way possible? Absolutely. Um, That's a great question. So, um, you know, I would say the the common thread is to, like I said, give yourself grace, um, allow yourself to to take risks, um, and embrace um, embrace pivots and challenges as best you can. Um, those those are kind of the guiding principles that have gotten me through um, growing this business like I have. And and honestly, it's like I've never, even though I'm I'm you know. In some ways, I embrace all of that. Um, I also, you know, I, I, I do um, try to, you know, along the lines of giving myself grace, like set boundaries of, you know, um, just allowing myself to um, not put too much pressure on, on myself and growing myself, my business a certain way or comparing myself to others or anything like that. I think it's, it's a good idea to just, um, you know, figure out a way to, to tap into the core of who you are and just, um, grow more organically that way. Yeah. And I, I think embracing pivots, uh, it's super important. It's hard to do. It's hard to do, right? Changes and and making new moves. It's it's really it's a scary thing. But I think, you know, talking about, you know, earlier in the episode, um, fear and kind of not letting that control you and just being okay of uh, you know, sort of em- not embracing failure, but just acknowledging that it's always it's always gonna be around the corner at some point. Always. I think is really important. And um, I think that, yeah, when it comes to sort of making moves and, and going down new, new paths and new directions um, to approach that also with grace, like you brought up having, having grace, that's also super important. Um, But yeah, I I just think uh, you've, you're like a testament to that, the way your career, we talked about it, the way it's gone, like kind of stepping in new directions and seeing where it goes. Um, it's been really sort of exciting, I'm sure. <laughs> um, it has been. And thank you. That's so sweet. And really, honestly, I have a great group of young women that work for me. And those are the kinds of things I try to reinforce with them too. You don't have to do it all at once. And honestly, I know they try to say that you can't have it all. And I, I, completely agree with that, that it's really difficult to have it all, all at once. But I think that if you embrace that, you know, um, that you're going to tackle things on, you know, one step at a time and build from there um, and, you know, embrace the, you know, just the changes that, that are always going to be there, the failure that's always going to be there. And, you know, um, I think that that could be um, a path to having, you know, in general, um, a healthy version of success for sure. Definitely. I completely agree. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I'll be leaving everything in this episode's notes that people can follow along with your journey. Um, but wishing you like nothing but the best and all that you continue to do. Thank you, Catherine. Oh my gosh. This has been a pleasure. It's been so nice chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Alrighty, folks, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Laura and learning more about her story as much as I did. Now, if you are based in Texas and would like to learn more about the Pink and Iron Group or Laura's Austin Shop Blue, her information is listed in the episode's description for you to check out. Thank you to Laura so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast, and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I will see you in two weeks. That's right, two weeks. Mark your calendars. I will see you then with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.